0: Please turn backwards in your Bibles to uh, Genesis chapter 32, verses 22 to 32. For those of you paying attention, this is the exact same passage uh, that I preached on two weeks ago. Uh, I did not finish that sermon. Um, It ended up being a part two, so we are going to preach from the same text this morning. The same night he arose and took to his two wives his two female servants, and his eleven children, and he crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, Let me go, for the day has broken. for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose up on him as he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the people of Israel do not eat of the sinew of the thigh that is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip on the sinew of the thigh. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to God. Please join me in prayer. Almighty and living God, help us so to hear your holy word this morning that we might truly understand, and that in our understanding this morning that we might believe, and by believing we may follow in all faithfulness and obedience, seeking your honor and glory in all that we do, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. This morning we are going to continue wrestling with the story of Jacob in Genesis chapter 32. When I began this sermon two weeks ago, I intended to finish this entire chunk of Scripture in one sermon. But once I got into my study, I found that there was too much to explore in one lesson. And in my haste to split up this passage, I believe I did a bit of disservice to the overall text. Because two weeks ago, we, we discussed Jacob's plans, his prayers, his perseverance, and his posture. However, as Bob pointed out to me after the service, it appears that I left out a very important P, God's prevailing providence. That is extremely significant. So this morning we will finish the story of Jacob and his great midnight wrestling match with God. We will find that after Jacob has wrestled with God, he was given a few things. He was given a new name. He was given relentless grace. And he was given a reminder of this struggle, not only for himself, but also for his people, God's people. Last week, we kicked off the week on Monday, and it was a a day of remembrance, as America observed Memorial Day. While its origin is uncertain, Memorial Day has been placed into our calendars as a day to remember and honor those veterans who have died fighting for the freedoms that we hold so dear. This day is now observed on Monday, the last Monday, in the month of May. And why do we have this day of remembrance? The answer is really quite simple. It's uh, we mark our calendars to remember because we are a people who constantly and consistently forget. And my wife would be willing to confirm that even with constant reminders, I'm a person who still manages to forget just about everything. But I'm willing to bet I'm not the only one who suffers from this awful condition. You know, one look around this last Monday, and and I was thinking about this, and it's easy to see that as a nation, we've forgotten that Memorial Day is about honoring those lives which have been lost. Right? We take for granted those freedoms that those losses, that those lives have given us. Memorial Day, for many of us, has turned into this three-day vacation that we look forward to for months. Right, perhaps it's that new tool or that new toy or that that really fancy refrigerator with the lights and the chrome on the inside and it's fancy, right? It's this day for extravagant spending. Memorial day for some might be a day to escape the city and and head to the beach. And for those who are really fashion conscious, uh, it marks the beginning of summer. Right? It's this magical day when you can pull out those white pants, those white skirts and wear it for the next few months only to be stowed again on Labor Day. Christians are not immune from this disease either. We here in the church face the exact same problem. We are also a people who forget. We forget the goodness of our God. We forget the trials that He has delivered us from. Right? We forget the bondage that He has freed us from. <clears throat> and despite our best efforts... We are a people who tend to forget. Right? And we we don't just see this in the church today. We can see this throughout Scripture. When the Israelites were freed from Egyptian slavery, right? And and there were all these these miracles that God did in front of Pharaoh. and, And then God provided manna and he provided water for survival as they wandered the desert. Right? And despite this daily miracle of provision, God's people chose to forget. The Lord's provision. And they created a golden altar, right? As soon as Moses left up on the mountain to go visit with God, the people forgot. So God began, God being this really overly generous God, said, Okay, I will give you prophets, I will give you priests, I will give you kings to help guide you, to help lead you, and remind his people. And you know what happened? Many of those leaders placed in authority by God forgot. They strayed from God's commands. Many of them failed to remain faithful. God's people are forgetful. So God, being overly generous once again, sent his son Jesus as the ultimate prophet, priest, and king. And while his sacrifice was full and complete for our sins, it did not cure our innate, forgetful nature. The New Testament is littered with story after story after story of God's people forgetting to love God and to love one another. Paul writes letters over and over and over again to these churches in these various cities, reminding people, hold on to your faith, hold on to your love for God, hold on to your love for your brothers. Back to today, we the church are not much different from our forefathers. We forget. But we do have helpful reminders. And I think that sometimes we need to be reminded of these reminders. Right here Good Shepherd, we will celebrate the Lord's Supper this evening. Right? We have set aside the evening service on the first day of the month to remember Christ's sacrifice. We celebrate the Lord's Supper as a time for us to remember our own deliverance. Right? We should remember our status of, as sinners. And we should be called to faith. And we should be called to repentance. And we must remember our justification before the Lord, which is gifted to us from God himself. And this is a cause for celebration. This is a cause for remembrance. So this morning, as we open up our Bibles to Genesis chapter 32, I want you to remember, (coughs) to remember. All right? We will see that after Jacob wrestles with God, he was given three things. He was given a new name, he was given a relentless grace, and he was given a reminder of this struggle for himself and his people. Since we are already on this topic of remembering, let's recall where we are in this story. Look with me at verses 22 through 25 once again. The same night he arose and took his two wives. His two female servants and his eleven children. And he crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. When a man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket. And Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Jacob was strong. Jacob was a warrior. He was strong in will, right? He was strong in feats of strength, and he was strong in faith. He desperately wanted his father's blessing, and and he swindled it away from his brother Esau, right? And when he was confronted uh, by his brother 20 years later, by his brother and 400 soldiers, finally his humility kicks in a little bit, right, as he pleads to God to deliver him. Deliver me from this impending doom. And once again, he didn't just pray, but he hit the drawing board, right? He designed this elaborate uh, plan. This elaborate plan to appease his brother and to mitigate his losses. And then, after he was exhausted, in the dead of the night, he sought solace. And he was confronted by God. He didn't get solace. He was confronted by God. And he he entered into a divine wrestling match where he persevered and he held on for dear life. It was in this encounter where the posture of Jacob changes. He muscled his way into gaining his earthly father's blessing, but he he couldn't quite muscle his his way into gaining his heavenly father's blessing. All that he could do was hold on for dear life. Our first noteworthy point this morning is that Jacob was given a new name. This is pretty entertaining, uh, right? Because in this beat in this of desperation for a blessing, and, and in response, she was given a new name. Let's continue on with verse 26. Then he said, let me go, for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. And then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men, and you have prevailed. These few verses are a complete game changer for Jacob. But if we take them into context, they are extremely powerful as well. Because Jacob fought with God. He's been broken at the strongest place in his body, but he, uh, he realizes who he's fighting. And when he realizes this, he begs for a blessing, and his opponent's response is timeless. He says, what's your name? You see, the last time Jacob had been asked this question, Jacob lied. Jacob's father, Isaac, was blind. He was on his deathbed. He was, he was really sick, and, and he wanted to bless his eldest son, Esau. And while Esau was away following his dad's commands, right, he was hunting for wild game uh, for their father's last meal, if you will, and, and Jacob and his mother schemed up this plan. Right? Jacob had smooth skin and Esau was 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 this manlayer man with, with rough skin and, and lots of hair everywhere, right? And and so Jacob's mom came up with this plan to get some goat skin. And so they covered Jacob, his hands, and the back of his neck with goat skin and goat hair, so he'd feel tough like Esau. Right? Then he took his father this delicious meal and and Jacob pretended to be Esau back from this wild game hunt. Right? And his father, Isaac, was confused when his meal came to him. He heard Jacob's voice. It it was his son. He knew his son. He heard Jacob's voice, but, but when he touched his son, he felt Esau. He felt Esau's rough and hairy skin. And so Isaac did something fairly reasonable. He asked, what is your name? And Jacob replied, it's me, father, your firstborn son, Esau. I did what you told me. I hunted the wild game, and I prepared you this delicious last meal. And and, and please, go ahead and and eat up, and let's get on with this final blessing. So Isaac mistakenly blessed the wrong son. Hey, what's your name? That's what the mysterious wrestler in chapter 32 uh, asked Jacob. This mysterious wrestler was, was more than just a man. This was, this was God, and, and God knew that he was fighting Jacob. God didn't have to ask this question. His question was stated with authority, an authority to attempt to submit Jacob to his leadership. Right? When a Hebrew in those days gave their name to someone, it was this act of submission. In other words, right the man is really saying to Jacob, hey, give me control of your life. Two weeks ago, I I shared a story of my cousins and I and and how we would get together and have these epic wrestling matches on the trampoline, right? We would reenact these these scenes and these wrestling matches that we saw on WWE on Friday nights. On Saturday morning, we'd get on the trampolines and we'd, we'd have these wrestling matches, right? And one of our favorite submission holds, right, was the dreaded headlock. Right? You get your opponent in the headlock and, and you get your other hand and, and you give them the knucklehead sandwich. Right, and You give them this maneuver and then you'd scream at the top of your lungs, who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? Right? It was this way of calling someone into submission. Perhaps asking somebody their name is a much more civilized form of submission. Regardless, this time Jacob gives his true identity. And instead of condemnation, He has met with these surprising words. Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. Jacob, whose name means, literally means the supplanter. He was a deceiver from birth. He tried to gain security and prosperity by tricking others, by tricking his own dad. But now he's also known as Israel, the one who perseveres with God. The one who struggled with God. And he not only did he struggle, but he came out prevailing. As he realizes that this security, this prosperity, these things are divine gifts from the Lord. So I ask you this, this morning, where do you find your security? Is it in your, it in your savings account? Your retirement fund? Is it, is it in your own, perhaps it's in your own strength. Right? in your own abilities to wrestle through to victory. As I mentioned this morning, we are a forgetful people. Friends, I want to tell you that the only security, the only prosperity in this world, the only true security, the only true prosperity is found in Christ and what he has done for us. The Apostle Paul tells us that he counts all of his efforts, everything that he has done, everything that he has gained on his own effort, as meaningless, right? This is all meaningless as to knowing Christ, our one true Savior. Our best efforts are like filthy rags in the sight of a holy and just God. So where do you find your security? Despite his defeat in the world's greatest wrestling match, Jacob comes out victorious because of God's relentless grace. This brings us to our second point this morning, right? Jacob is gifted grace. Jacob's defeat wrought victory. In this weakness, Jacob found true strength. Please look with me at verse 29. It reads this, Then Jacob asked him, Please tell me your name. But he said, why, why is it that you ask my name? He's telling him it's not important. And there, he blessed him. When we look at Jacob's life, we see that his whole life is the story of God's relentless grace over and over and over again. There's a, a, a fairly well-known Reformed pastor by the name of Kent Hughes. Um, and he calls this grace when he's writing about um, the story of Jacob, he calls this grace that God shows him a tenacious grace. He calls it a contending grace, an intrusive grace, and an, uh, a renovating grace. Right, the grace—this uh, grace was was tenacious because it would not let Jacob go. This grace was contending because it was always there. It was always battling. This was an intrusive grace because it never, ever stopped. It never shut down. And finally, it's renovating because it gave Jacob a new limp and a new name. And such is the grace of God that has grasped us as believers. This is God's grace. It's a grace that will not let you go. It's a grace that refuses to let you go. And it is birthed in love, and if you are truly His, you are in the grip of relentless grace, and we are called to submit to Him and to His authority. Mm-hmm. We need to understand with with Martin Luther, who says this: If we in our own strength confide, our striving would be losing. Church, if we are striving in our own strength, our striving is losing. And so many of us recognize our brokenness, and we come to God. we come in faith, right? We, we We come in faith, and we rest in Him. We believe. We believe in Him, and we want to be a part of His plan, and we want to take it into our own hands. And we never truly succeed. And so being in the grip of His grace, God comes to us again and again and again. And he assaults us with his grace. He cripples us with this grace. And somewhere along the line, we begin to understand. Somewhere along the line, we begin to yield. And that is the great power of our Lord. Some of us might be like that today. I don't. I don't know what your name is. I mean, I do know each and every one of you's name, but but I'm speaking in terms of the text here, right? I don't know what you say back to God when he confronts you and asks you, what is your name? Perhaps your name is faithless. Perhaps your name is unbelieving. Perhaps your name is just plain exhausted. I don't know. But, But when God asks you this question, what is your name? And you know the name, I think you should say it back to him. And then I think you should ask him to give you the name that he wants for you. Ask him to make you to be the person that he wants you to be as you rest in him and his good works. What a God we have, friends. What a glorious father. What an overwhelming, relentless grace. And our great part in this journey is to simply yield to God and to do his will. His kingdom come, not ours. His kingdom come. His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And may that be the reality in our lives today. Let us rest in Him. Let us rest in God's relentless grace. And finally, our third point this morning is that Jacob is given a reminder. right? And not just this reminder for himself, but he also... Wants to remind God's people, and then God uses this as an example to remind God's people. You and I need this because even if we're quick to listen, we're also really easy to forget. So look with me at verse thirty. So Jacob called on the name. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, "I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered." The sun rose up on Jacob as he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the people of Israel do not eat the sinew of the thigh that is on the hip socket because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip on the sinew of the thigh. Jacob, this mere human, a mere mortal, walks away from a wrestling match with the great God of this universe. But he's done so with a limp. Right, and This limp is supposed to serve as a never-ending reminder of who's the boss. right? Who's your daddy? Right? Who is your boss? Our father in heaven. And furthermore, Jacob names this place Peniel. And that, that means uh, face-to-face with God. Calvin says that this act of Jacob renaming this place Peniel shows us That the gratitude of our father Jacob is to be commended because he took diligent care that the memory of God's grace should never perish. Jacob knows about forgetting. He was often forgetful, so he knows a thing or two when leading his people. Hey, I need to set up a reminder. My people need to remember to remember. And this act of memorializing this place shows us that this wrestling match right, was not this private event that took place in dark, is the two of them alone, on the other side of the river. Rather, this, this wrestling match serves as a constant reminder of God's relentless grace. And I love this last little note by the author Moses, right, in verse 32. Moses reminds us that God's people, he reminds God's people of why they don't eat of a muscle on an animal's hip sock. Right? This Hebrew ceremonial tra- uh, tradition serves as a reminder, not just to Jacob, but it serves as a reminder to all of God's people that he is in charge, that God is the author of grace, and it is in him that we can find security and prosperity. Right? I find a really interesting parallel to the story in the New Testament on the cross. It is there that God the Son endured an agonizing assault of God the Father, so that grace and blessing might flow out to his people. Jesus Christ wrestled with God on our behalf. He wrestled with God in the garden when he cried out, Lord, if it's possible, please take this cup from me. And he wrestled with God on the cross in that absolutely awful moment when he cries out, Abba, Father, Why have you forsaken me? The outcome of this wrestling match was not a mere hip pain for Jesus. Jesus was wounded and beaten and crucified and burdened down with the weight, the entire weight of our transgressions. And like Jacob, but even more faithfully, Jesus clung to God and he would not let him go unless he received a blessing. And this blessing wasn't for himself. This blessing was for his people. It's a blessing for us, for you and I. And it is through faithful clinging to the Father that he prevailed over sin and death. Jesus is the true Israel. He fully struggled with God, he fully struggled with men, and he overcame sin's burden for you and I. And we in turn are declared part of Israel for, for, for God as we declare our faith in Him and what He has done for us. We get to enter into that, people. Are you tired? Are you weary? Do you struggle with doubt? Maybe lack of faith? Claim it. Lay it on the throne. Right. Let us abandon our urge to be self-sufficient. We love to take care of things ourselves. That's what we do as humans. I got this. I don't need any help. Right? I had a friend of my house. we were, I borrowed a friend's trailer the other day. And it's this huge, probably 2,000-pound massive trailer to haul a giant truck. In. And I'm muscling this thing. I'm picking up the tongue of this trailer and trying to put it on the car instead of using another. I didn't ask for help. I didn't use a little jack. I have back issues. Why do you think I have back issues? Because I do silly things like this. Right? I love being self-sufficient, even to my own detriment. Let us abandon that urge for self-sufficiency and keep our focus on the main thing. I had a mentor that once said, let's keep the main thing the main thing. He told that to me every time. We had coffee once a week for about two years. And every single week he said, Brian, Keep the main thing the main thing. Because I forgot. Every single week I'd come back to him. Tell him a new story of ministry and my woes with people. My woes with uh, just everything. Brian, you got to keep the main thing the main thing. Let us be a people who cling to God alone for our blessing. For when we cling to him, you will find... That he's never going to let go, and like the Israelites, we are we are also given a helpful reminder of this, right in the Lord's Supper. I talked about this a little earlier, right? We observe this sacrament in remembrance of the great things that God has done. So I want to invite you tonight, five o'clock. We're going to meet right here, and Pastor Sumter is going to lead us in worship, and he's going to lead us in communion. He's going to lead us in remembrance of what Christ has done, because we are a people who forget. In conclusion this morning, I'd like to leave you with a, a tiny tongue twister. I edited it a little bit last uh, from last week. There's a lot of peas in this thing, and, and Bob helped me once again with a new P. God's precious providence enabled, enabled Jacob's prudent plans and perseverance. With pleading prayers for preservation, this providence procured for him a proper posture and prevailing victories based on promises. Above. This morning we find that that God has given Jacob this new name, and God has given Jacob this new identity in Christ, if you will. Right? God has also gifted Jacob with this relentless, never giving up, never ceasing, always and forever kind of grace. And finally, we see that Jacob uh, reminded God's people of what God has done for each of us who claim to follow his will. And that, friends, is cause for a significant celebration, observance, and remembrance. Amen. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this morning. Lord, I want to lift up our hearts, our minds, as we are a people who consistently forget, as we are a people who consistently just get lost in our own world, in our own lives, and Lord, I just ask that you would give us the strength and the courage and the perseverance to remember you and remember those glorious things that you have done. Lord, I pray these things in your holy name. Amen. Amen.